So we're in a series. I don't know where it's at. We're, we're reading a book right now called Freedom with our church. And uh, we're in chapter 12, 11? 11. We're in chapter 11, and uh, this chapter is called, thank you, sir. Uh, it's called Vessels of Honor. I'm changing the title today uh, to Fight Club. Uh, and so anyways, I thought Fight Club would be a better, uh, a better uh, uh, yes. Anyways, if you have your phones, would you do me a favor? Will everyone get out their phone in the church? Uh, this is how we do attendance. And so uh, if you're here and you want us to know, hey, I came to church and I, I kind of liked it. And uh, so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to text 777 3520, and uh, you're going to text the keyword today, Fight Club. And uh, what will happen is someone will text you back and say, welcome to church. And you're allowed to text in church today. It's okay. Uh, so someone will text you back, and they'll say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. And then you'll be like, yeah, it was really awesome. And uh, <laughs> these are the emoji voices that I see in my head. Anyways, uh, so the conversation will end up with you ending up at the table at the end of service, and you'll get uh, some fancy little gifts that we got for you. Does that make sense? Cool. 777-3520 Fight Club. And uh, that's that. We are in this series week 11, and uh, it's pretty neat. We're in the last stretch, and it's going to end on Saturday, May 5th. (laughs) Details. And so anyways, uh, May 5th is what we're going to end on, and we're going to end on a four-hour prayer meeting. And I believe, guys, this is something that you want to be a part of. And here's what I know. Before I am a pastor, I am really just a Christian. And if in in my heart of hearts, that's all that I am. But because I'm a Christian and because I want to love God with all my heart, I know the struggle is real to love God. I know that you have to fight just as hard as I do to maintain your love for God. And in this process, sometimes you find that you don't love God as much as you would like to. Sometimes you find that there are seasons that you go through that are dry and like a wilderness. And it's like, God, where are you? I know that there are seasons in your life that you, if I was to poll this room, how many of you love God as much as you want to? Many of us would say, no, I want to pray more. I want to read my Bible more. I want to worship more. I want to give more. I want to, I want to love God more. And there's things that happen in our life that prevents us from loving God as much as we want to. Does that make sense? Am I the only person? Okay, good. So this prayer meeting on Saturday, Cinco the 5th, um, is designed, it's my Espanol coming out, right, y'all? And, uh, and so it's, um, yeah, I'm going to drink this here. Um, how do you say y'all in Spanish? Um, this prayer meeting, which is a four-hour prayer meeting with no kids allowed, I'm sorry, you got to get a babysitter, is a prayer meeting you want to be at. You can sign up through the app, but I believe that it is going to be massively powerful for everyone. Um, I just went through it, and I've done it before. I'll tell you about it more next week. But anyways, it's going to be good. This series started off talking about um, how to overcome shame, how to overcome um, the feeling of, God, I let you down, I'm not good enough for you, and all of these other things. And it moved into how to overcome unforgiveness towards other people and how to overcome selfishness and how to overcome a lot of things. And this series has kind of navigated some of us through um, a a crazy path. And next week is the last chapter in this series. And I'm, anyways, this one here, we're talking about Fight Club. I'm going to read you. I want to do something great for God. This is the anthem of my heart. Some people tell me, Tim, you're a very passionate person. I am. I want to do great things. I, I don't 
I refuse to not do great things. I refuse to allow my life to be boring. Like, I want to know at the end of my life that I was great, and I was great for God, and I lived a legacy. You can do, be great at a lot of things in life, and I'm not implying that any of the things that we love are bad, but I don't want to, like, I love fishing. I love being outdoors. I love playing cards. I love everything. I really, I enjoy everything that I do. I'm going to be really honest with you. Like, if, I, if I'm playing checkers, all of a sudden, checkers is the greatest thing in the world. But I don't want to die, and you come to my casket and look at me and go, man, that dude loved fishing. It's great. No, because I, because fishing doesn't mean anything in, 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 in terms of everything that matters. And so what, what matters most is the things that I want to circle in my life and be great at. And the most important thing is I want to be great at loving God because it's something that's bigger than me. It's been going on for bigger than the life and the reality and my understanding of who God is. It's been going on for thousands of years. Like being great at loving God will be significant that day when you stand around my casket. And I want you to be great at loving God. I want us to live a life that matters. I want to help people. I want to live a life that counts. I want to carry out something great. And in doing so, I came up with three concepts that I'm going to say circle back to later. It's just, if you want to be great at God, there are three simple things that you've got to do every day in your life. And what's hard is doing great things comes back to little things, doing lots of little things. You've got to be good at surrendering to God. You've got to be good at giving your time to Him, and you've got to be willing to change your mind. Um, I think that these are three difficult things for every human being to perfect and champion. But if you can't do these things, it's going to be difficult to maintain a love for God long term. Does that make sense? And so my heart is to live a life of greatness for God. And I believe that you have to live a life of surrender. You have to be willing to give your time to God, and you have to be willing to change your mind. Now, as I'm reading about a man in the scripture that lived a life for Jesus, this is what he said. Man, I think it's so wonderful. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he says this. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time has come of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The time has come and my departure is at hand. He's basically saying the end of my life is, is, is approaching. I can sense it. And uh, I want you to know that I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And uh, what I think is so, the end of part of that, I love that I love that I love. I, I feel like that's something that this generation, I can't speak about the generations before and the generations that will come, but I feel like people need to know that there's something about finishing the race. There's something about starting it and completing it. We're, the cha- this, we're so good at quitting. We're so good at giving up. We're so good at getting to the, to the one-yard line and then being like, yeah, it was good enough, right? Like, we're the generation of it's good enough. And, like, things are hard and I quit. And Paul, man, like, things got bad. Things got ugly and then they got worse and then they got worse. Like, we're not talking about, like, Paul wasn't the guy that was, like, of the gospel of, like, good things are coming your way, Paul. Like, he got stoned, Several times to death, they they threw big rocks at him and said, you stink. And he did not give up. Like, he's like, I'm going to love God more and I'm going to get louder about it. And they beat him with rods and he got louder about it. Like, this guy didn't give up. 
He ran out, like there was times he says that he didn't have like cold nights and like he didn't have like he didn't have food sometimes. This man never gave up. He finished the race. And I want you to know that in the seasons of hardship in your life, don't you dare give up, especially on the things that matter. Because you'll just be like everyone else. But there's something about the people that say, I will do it and complete it. It's character. Like, I don't care how little of the thing that you promised. Finish it. It's good for you. It's good for you. It doesn't matter how much it costs you. If it costs you a few thousand dollars for you to keep your word, it will develop character in you, and that is good for everyone that comes in contact with you. Okay. And then he says, he says, I, 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 I fought the good fight. And uh, as I think about that, I'm like, yeah, man, that's cool. What is the good fight? What, what is this fight that he's talking about? And uh, as I'm, I, I think about this for you and for me, um, I know that the hardest thing about my life is maintaining my love for God. I kid you not, it is the most difficult thing in my life for me to maintain my love for God. Everything in me wants to be complacent and bored and just chill. But loving God will be the most difficult thing you ever do in your life because everything will attack it. Everything will come from every angle and fight that to overcome, to distract you, to, to I mean, it will be a challenge. And I'm telling you, I fight every day to love God. Like the person that you see here right now, like when I'm driving down I-4, I'm yelling as loud as I can to try to stir my heart to make sure that I love God above everything else in my life because it's the greatest commandment, that we would love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of my strength. And that means that I have to love God more than I love fishing. And I enjoy getting out there. And I only gone like once this year. But I'll tell you, when I went, I caught a fish this big. It was awesome, man. It was so, yeah, that's an evangelist right there, right? And uh, so, um, uh, I don't, okay, anyways. And so um, I want to make sure that I love and enjoy him above everything. And it's hard. And the things that matter most to you, it will be difficult for you to maintain that for your marriage, for your job. Like, it's so crazy. Some of you are going to school for four, seven, 12 years to get a degree for a job that you're going to hate. And you're going to have to fight to maintain, like, the focus to, be, to care about that. Or you can quit and be like everyone else. And you'll just wander. And that's the thing is that that's not who we are. We have purpose. We have passion. And you'll fight to cultivate that in your life. Does that make sense? The good fight. Man, I fought the good fight. It's good. Okay, anyways. Here we go. Fight club. Yeah. So anyways, I know one of the reasons why this is such a difficult thing for me is because it's like that old um, hymn that said, uh, for, I mean, this, I love hymns because it identifies that this song wasn't written last week in California. This song was written 400 years ago by someone else that has the same heart as me. It says this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take and seal it with thy spirit above. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Man, do I feel it. I get distracted like squirrel, gone. <laughs> like, you ever pray and you wake up and you're like, I'm going to pray today. And you start and you're like, man, God, I love you so much. Is that coffee? Man, I love coffee, God. And all of a sudden, like, you're thinking about your to-do list, and like a prayer went right out the window. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, you know? 
And uh, there are ways of overcoming that. That'll be another time, another day. It's a great fight. It's not a cakewalk. Paul said, fight the good fight. Christianity will be the fight of your life. Um, but anyways, who are you fighting? Uh, and so this is what I, this sermon today, I actually, I actually hate this message. I hate this message because it's become uh, the most frustrating part of, of me being a pastor. It's, it's nice when you can just love God for yourself. It's really unfortunate when you have to love God with other people in the scenario that you're fighting with them to maintain their faith. And you've done it also. It's not just me, actually. Think about it. Your brother and the mistakes that they made in their life, the things that you saw that they were going to do and do wrong, and it have like lasting effect in their life. You know how that hurts you? And you see them about to trip, and there's nothing you can do because it's their option to make. Or your dad, who just continues to make bad decisions with his finances or, or uh, with, with his anger in his life. And you just know, if they would just fix that one issue in their life, everything else would correct. It's that way spiritually when you realize, like you, you're with a whole bunch of people and he, we're here on Sunday and we're saying, God, like, I want you, I want to know you. And then we, we leave and I watch some of you want to love God above everything, yet there's this stuff that gets in the way and you're fighting and I'm watching and I'm fighting for you to, to, to clear your vision so that way you can run harder in one direction. Who are we fighting? We're, I hate this message because my favorite thing to talk about all the time is always Jesus. love to talk about Jesus. He changed my life. I hate to talk about the other guy. In fact, I hate it so much, I had to look back over my sermons over the last three years. It's pretty awesome that I have sermons from three years, you know? It's because of the internet. It saves it for me. It's, I didn't actually read. Anyways, the internet saves it. It's really cool. And so I looked back over my internet for the, the messages the last three years. And you know how many times I talked about the other guy? Not once. Uh, I mean, I may have brought him up on occasions, but I don't like talking about him because I don't like to give him glory. Like, I, I, I hate the reality that he steals glory. And I realize that there are a lot of people here that struggle to believe in God. And to think about the other guy is like, come on, really? Let me show you. This is pretty cool. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. They're talking about having unforgiveness and how if you forgive someone, then I'll jump in right alongside of you and I'll forgive them also because I don't want the enemy to out, outsmart us because he's got these plans, he's got these schemes, he's got this like all thought out on how he's going to overcome us. Hmm. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be alert and of a sober mind, for the enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. All right, well, that's, that's interesting. There's another verse here in, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It says, But uh, I fear lest somehow the serpent deceived Eve by, her, by his craftiness, so that your minds may not be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. They're talking about how the devil deceived and schemes and plots and plots and plots. And one of the things that I think that many of us have learned is that we've all learned to believe that God has a plan for us. Anyone believe that here? God has a plan for me. I, I think that like elementary Sunday school people, I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't actually hear this until I was 18. But I, I fell into that. That made sense. 
What many of us discard just because of the way it sounds is that the enemy also has a plan for you. You may not understand the bigger picture, and I'm not going to get into all of it today, but the reason why the enemy has a plan for you is because God loves you. That's what you got to understand. And because the devil hates God, his objective is to break his heart by ripping you out of his presence. And anytime the enemy can remove you from God's presence, he feels like he's winning. And this is the ploy of his life is to find ways to trip us up. And so the, the scripture says that he's got schemes. Now, think about it like this. Um, I don't know in your life if you can recall the things that you know, the times in your life you can remember the enemy tripping you up in your past. But what I learned is the things that tripped me up when I was 16 didn't work anymore. And so now he's come up with entirely new ways of coming at me. And uh, I, I know that he, he knows how to get at me. He knows how to get me down. He knows how to make me frustrated and, and self-absorbed. And he knows how to get me away from everyone else and into the woe is me and everyone stinks and I stink and everyone, life stinks. And you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm going to jump into the message here. The other guy, I don't like to say his name a whole lot, so I'm going to try not to say his name. Every time I say his name today, would you just boo me? Just boo, boo. The other guy. The other guy, yeah, just like normal. You stink. Boo this guy. Uh, uh, the, 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 the other guy loves to deceive us. I thought of four things today that the enemy loves to do um, in our lives, and um, so what happened was I, I came up with three things, and one of them was like a, they were all, uh, there was a D, 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 and a C. And I was like, well, I can't have that. What kind of message is that, you know? So I was like, I got four points today. I'm all excited. This is going to be a really good message. Everyone's going to be really proud that I got four points today. And I got D, 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 C. So I got to have four Ds. So I got four Ds today for you. The first one is deceive us. The enemy loves to deceive us. Can you recall the last time the enemy attacked you? You know what's weird is that we can very easily, many of us, it's easy for us to believe that God exists. But for a lot of us, we don't really want to believe that the enemy exists. And I don't understand where that comes from because the very fact that you believe in God is because you, you heard it somehow, some way from this book. And so to believe that God is good and that God loves us and that God has a plan for us is because we've learned it from here, but somehow we took the stuff we like out of here and then discarded the rest of it like we don't need it. So the basis of the fact that there is a God is there's a reality that there is a devil and there's a devil that hates you. Oh, boo. Oh, yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. That was good. This is going to be good. This is going to be Okay, here we go. It's going to be like an adventure for me to get through this. The greatest trick the other guy ever pulled was teaching the world he didn't exist. It came from a quote from uh, The Unusual Suspects, if you guys ever saw it. It was a good movie. Anyways, uh, the greatest trick the other guy ever pulled was teaching the world he didn't exist. And I feel like we've bought into that. Um, I learned some things about the enemy. When I was 19, I learned for the first time that, um, you know, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as though yourself. And the greatest commandment in the other guy's Bible is this. 
to love yourself. I thought that's so funny that he would make it all about you, right? Like the greatest trick that he could pull on you is to make you think that life is all about you. Think about the darkest moments of your life or moments when you think like it's not fair or I deserve or I should. But the things that you love the most are the moments when like your dreams are when other people are great. You feel the most accomplished when you help someone or you pay for someone or you do something that's, that's outwardly focused. But the enemy would love to get you all thinking about you. And it's not about you. And so I believe that the, great, the other guy loves to deceive us. Check this out. In Genesis chapter 3, we find the first account of the enemy. And uh, it says, The serpent said to the woman, You, sh- you will not surely die. For God knows that in that day, if you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. What had happened was there was a tree in the Garden of Eden. There was two trees. And uh, there was one tree that the Lord told Eve and Adam not to eat from. And she saw it. She saw that it looked good. It looked delicious. It looked wonderful. And she wanted to be a part of it. And there are many times in my life I can remember the first time that I was deceived into, into thinking that something would be good for me, even though I knew that it wasn't. I remember the first time that I saw drugs. I knew what it did to my dad. I knew what it did to my family. I knew what it was doing currently to my brother. I knew what it had done to my friends. But somehow I thought it would be different for me. And the enemy deceived me in that moment. And I know that there is deception that's happening every day in our lives. There are things that are happening that somehow, if, if you, like where the enemy would trick us to, to believe that you just, you just can't tell anyone about this. You just can't tell anyone. That's deception. Anything that you can't tell anyone why? Why is there anything that's going on inside of you that you can't share with other people? Um, I'm thinking about like right now, there are, there are folks in this room that are struggling with, with pornography. And, and, and somehow we've believed that this is a good thing for you, but it's only destruction. Like you would never do that in front of anyone else. There are people in this room that have that are problems with eating disorders. It's destructive. It's chaotic. It's not healthy for you. It's actually destroying your body. But yet somehow we believe that it's okay. And the enemy would love to go in and deceive. And he does deceive. He sows thoughts of deception about divorce. Sows of thoughts about all different kinds of stuff. And when was the last time you recognize a lie of the enemy? This book that we're doing here, it has multiple different lies that we buy into of confusion, uh, things that we confess that are so obnoxiously everything that the scripture is not saying that is true, but we'll buy into that we're poor or we can't afford or we can't do or we're not good enough. And these are all thoughts that come right from the enemy that cause us to buy into something that would just make us give up. Point number one, the, the other guy wants to deceive you. He loves to blur the lines. He loves to make things look really neutral, like it's not a big deal. Um, and I'm not, I'm not here to decide for you what is right or what is wrong. I want you to know Galatians would say that you know, the law has been abolished. You need to know, you need to follow the Holy Spirit for yourself. Like the Holy Spirit is with you and he's going to tell you this isn't good for you. And you, if you listen to that, it'll enrich your life. And he'll teach you the next thing. And the next thing, and the next thing. This is how you learn to listen and follow the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, so he loves to blur the lines. Can you tell me what God enjoys? This is what helps us overcome deception. What in your life does God enjoy? 
Second thing I'm going to talk about today is the other guy loves to divide us, right? So we're going D, 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 D here, all right? So the first one was deceive. Second one is divide. He loves to divide us. Just think about this for a second. I mean, just the conversation this year in black and white in our country. Oh, it's gross. I felt like we were over that. I, I felt like, like, and I, I am currently, like I love all peoples, love them, love working with them. I, I love sp- Spanish folk. I love red folk. I love purple folk. I love all kinds of folk. It doesn't matter. I like them. But there is a deception that's happening in our country right now where people are feeling like divided. And, you know, one of the greatest war strategies that's ever happened in any military is divide and conquer. It was Napoleon's. It was, it was uh, Caesar's. Uh, they, I mean, do you, if you can divide any armor, uh, any army, you can, you can overcome them. And this is what happens so often. Like, you want to destroy a, a family? Separate the husband and wife. The kids will have an identity crisis. Everything goes wrong from there. It's years of restoration. And it happens every day when we go to war against the person that we love the most. Why? Can you help me out here? Look to the person next to you today and say, you are not my enemy. Say, you are not my enemy. It's so important. Why? Because we forget that. There are so many times in our life where that person is a dog with fleas, man. I mean, that person stinks. I don't like them. I don't like nothing about them. They smell bad. They look bad. They sound bad. Everything about them is bad. And what happens is we waste all of our energy fighting someone that we love. Somehow we've mistaken the true enemy. We fight churches and pastors We fight Baptists and Pentecostals, and we fight other denominations. We definitely fight Joel Osteen. Man, that guy's terrible. (laughs) Why? He's building the same name we are. Why are we fighting other people when we only have one enemy? That's good preaching right there. I'll tell you that right now. All right, here. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 3, verse 24 through 26. He says, if the kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not able to be stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, I'm just reading the word, people. He, he cannot stand, but, he, uh, but, but is coming to an end. Um, I just want you to know that um, a country that, that is divided cannot stand. And so uh, the next time, if you get on that thing, that stupid thing called social media, and you see people arguing about something, just write in there, I love them all. Just help them over. I love, I love both of you. Uh, and all 25 of you crazy folks on there. I love you anyway. Just help make the conversation. Change the culture, man. I mean, it's like it just gets uglier and uglier and uglier and uglier. The other guy loves to divide us. Uh, he also loves to deceive us. Uh, number three, uh, the, enemy, the other guy, he loves to distract us. Man, I think that this is so true. We have a missionary that we support. His name is Dick Brogdon. Um, uh, Adam, uh, he uh, went over to Egypt and, and, and lived over there and was trained in, in Live Dead Ministries. And it's one of the most hostile places for Christianity in the world. And so what happens is for the Assemblies of God, this guy trains missionaries going into what we call the 1040 window. It's a place where um, it's, it's hostile for you to love God and there's a chance that you can die if you go there to preach the gospel. And so... We train you in spring. They they train you in Springfield, right? The Assemblies of God does, and then they ship you to Egypt to train under this guy Dick Brogdon, 
if you're really going to go over to these, some of these other places and, do, and, and just be stupid. Like, who wants to go do that, right? And so anyways, you train under Dick Brogdon, and this is one of the things I got to meet him here at Victory, and, and as we were talking to him, he, he said this to me. He said, that, um, he said, you guys worry about me and my family that I might die because of the gospel, but I worry for you because you have cable TV and you're already dead. Oh. Yeah, that, that, that would sink in for a minute, right? Listen, this is, and he was 100% serious. He says, you know how hard it is for you Americans to love God? You come over here with us. If you decide to serve Jesus, you're all in. It's all of us, and here's one of the reasons why. Because the other guy, he loves to distract you. Man, I'll tell you, I felt like I didn't even need a verse for this today. If there is one thing that's going on in the United States of America is that you are busy, you're busy being busy. You've got stuff to do list. You've got stuff that you've been putting off for months. We can't, we get distracted with everything. You know what they say nowadays on television that they, they have to, they find it billionaires who make TV shows, make shows so fast. So a camera shot now, when you're watching any show, check this out. A camera shot will not be longer than three seconds. You know why? Because they think it's not going to hold your attention anymore. You have to change another camera shot just to keep your attention. Because that's how much we got going on. It's crazy. If you actually watch a weird show and they're trying to make like a big moment, they'll stretch the camera shot out for like 25 seconds because it's like abnormal. Like we don't ever do this. Like they won't know what's coming if we just like... Don't do anything, you know? Uh, anyway, okay, I'm weird. I'm telling you, I'm weird. Uh, Enter by the narrow gate, Jesus said, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there uh, who, who and, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many will go by, in by it. But because the gate is narrow and difficult is the way that which leads to life, there are few who will find it. Um, check this out. So uh, th- we were listening to this dude the other day, this, this other guy that was, we had a, a speaker on Wednesday night on a video that we were watching, and I love what he said. He said that the devil doesn't show up in our lives with like a, um, I guess they're like waiting for it, like the alarm went off. <laughs> uh, he doesn't show up in our lives with like a red jumpsuit and a pitchfork. The reality is, is that he's, he's actually uh, seductive in nature. He comes in forms that is attractive to you. Uh, and so this is, I, I love this here, what, what it says. Um, I got to find it because I lost it. I do this every week, guys. I'm sorry. All right. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen and 15, it says this, the devil, uh, and no wonder, for, for the other guy himself transforms himself into an angel of light and therefore is no great thing if he ministers and also transforms themselves into ministers of righteousness whose the end will be coming according to their works. The, the other guy, he transforms himself into an angel of light. Now, in multiple places in Scripture, they would talk about this other guy being the most beautiful of all of the angels. And what you have to understand is that multiple times what happens is in our life, we lose ourselves in love for God by pursuing a love for something irrelevant. And that thing that we love, that hobby that we enjoy, there's nothing actually wrong with it but it becomes such a distraction from us that it can be chaotic in nature in that it will divert our attention. Like I can't tell us how many times in our life marriages were broken because husband and wife fell in love with work or they fell in love with their children or they felt like they fell in love with things that are good, 
but it distracted them from the greater picture of what they actually signed up with to love the most, which was each other, which was the Lord. And so there's so many things, like I think about like this. Why is it, right, that um, we as people, the goal is to sign up to love Jesus with all of our hearts. And then, like many of us, we want to fall in love with someone. Not everyone. I know that some people here are not called to get married. I think that that's wise for you. If you read scripture, Paul says, don't, don't do this. Trust me. I've seen it work bad. Uh, anyways, he said, then you, then you try to fall in love with someone else, and then you try to have kids, and then you try to have work. But what happens is, is the objective is to love God first, spouse second, children third, work fourth. But it's so easy to flip it upside down and love work way, way more. Because work, it, it's, it, it gives back. And then you love the kids more. And then you love the spouse more. And then you love God because you don't make time for Jesus or your spouse or your kids. And so, man, it's so easy that we get distracted on this and on way to do what we want to love the most. The other guy would love nothing more but to distract you from what God wants for your life. I felt like that was good. Uh, the last one here is that the other guy would love to discourage you. Um, you know what I know is that even as I'm talking, some of you feel terrible knowing that you ain't been right with God for a while. You've been distracted. You've been focused on yourself. You, you've been divided. You've been frustrated with the church. You've been frustrated with other people. You've been... You've been angry at, at, at the pastor, N- not me, some other pastor, George. You've been angry at George. Um, there's so many other things in our life that gets us down. And, and what happens is the enemy would have no, like when you read about God's general in the scriptures, every one of them also struggled with discouragement. I love what, what, what Teresa was just talking about with Elijah when she prophesied over, over Kirsten and Paul just now about how they did like these great things. And then they were worried about going to meet the king. First of all, let me just let you know, if I prayed fire down from heaven on any of you, I'm sorry, okay? Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Uh, it's crazy how we can, we can do great things at one point in life and then in a moment later feel like we are not worthy of God and he can't use us and he doesn't like us or we're not good enough or I didn't read my Bible yesterday or this week or this year. And so God hates me and... and no, like you, you don't understand. Jesus wouldn't have gone all the way to the cross to do what he did if he wasn't absolutely crazy about you. The reason why I hate talking about this is because I feel like it diverts our attention to something that's worthless. Let me close this message by saying this today. You don't have to fight the devil. You really don't. Thank you. You don't have to fight the enemy because he... Jesus already did. Like, like it's, it's, already, it's already done. Now, the reality is, is that the only way that you're going to feel shackled is if you decide to put it on. Like, you have to choose to walk the other direction. You have to choose to divert your attention. You have to choose to put on shame or self-condemnation or guilt. You have to choose to wear that stuff, but you actually, Jesus isn't giving you that. He's giving you robes of righteousness. He's, he's giving you honor. He's giving you a crown of righteousness. He's giving you, you are my son and my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. The enemy, the other guy, is trying to tell you that you're a piece of nonsense, you know? And I just gotta let you know that if you want to buy into that and you want to wear that, that's on you. But you don't have to wear that because God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And his plans for you are good.
And I've seen, even just going through this series, I guess I just forgot how many times it reminded me in myself that I have felt like I'm not good enough for him. And if, if I'm up here talking for two hours every Sunday about it, you know, yeah, the sermon just got started for all you visitors there. We go for like ever. <laughs> I just know that you don't, you don't have to fight the other guy. Basic theology. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Where the devil beat Jesus is right where Jesus beat the devil. Right on Calvary, man. Right on Calvary. And so when you're praying, if you're in a season right now that you just, you know it's dark, just know that the blood of Jesus is for you. Just say his name. Like in the hardest moment, I'm telling you, I've had months where prayer was hard for me. Get better at saying his name. And the clouds will break, man. I'm telling you, they'll break. Jesus, 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 Jesus. So here's what I wanted to tell you. There are a lot of things that the other guys would love to do that would trip you up. He'd love to deceive you. He'd love to divide you. He always wants to put you on an island and make you feel like you're alone. That's the objective. If he can get you away from everyone else, man, it's so easy to beat you up. He, he would love to distract you. He would love to discourage you. Um, but I know that in this room, everyone here, I believe, is here because you, you're curious about loving God more. You want to know him and you want to know God's plan for your life. And so I, I have to come back to these three things. I, I don't think you have to overcome the, the devil. I really don't. I, I think Jesus did it for you. I, I think Jesus did it all for you on Calvary. I think that when, when the, the empty tomb is more than enough for us, right? All right, so here's three things I want to challenge you to do that I believe you can do today if you want to overcome the enemy. One, be willing to surrender to God. Wherever you're at and whatever you've done yesterday, if you could surrender to Jesus right now, I believe it, you'll turn the page. Number two, be willing to give him your time. Now, this is hard. Surrendering to God and giving up your time is difficult, especially for people that are stubborn. Welcome to America. If you're stubborn, it's hard to excel in any relationship because what you're really saying is that I'm not actually listening to what you want because I know what I want. It's hard to excel in any relationship like that. It's exceptionally hard to excel in a relationship with God when you're not willing to give him your time. You're not willing to surrender to him what you're really saying is, I'm still God. I like, the, I like your values. I like that you're probably stronger than me, but we're still doing it my way. Well, good luck with that, Jack. So if you could surrender and you could be willing to give up some of your time, you can begin to excel today in Christ. And the third thing is you have to be willing to change your mind about some things you value. If you're willing to do that, I'm telling you, like, you, you'll walk out of this room feeling, man, that was a good... That was, whoo! But it's on you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Rach, would you come back? Is she here? She's not here. Dustin? Um, anyone? <laughs> Going once. Rich, yeah, hey, I'll take, I'll take you, Rich. I think the third stringer. <laughs> Rich is the most knowledgeable musician in the room. Just so you know. I know that. Um, 
Here's how I wanted to close today. I just wanted to give you an, uh, an idea. As I know that uh, there's some folks in here that you feel like the other guy is eating your lunch. Would y'all just bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a second? God never intended for you to feel like a failure. In fact, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's none. That's not for you. So if you're willing to give it up today, I think that something beautiful can happen in you. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here and He is the best thing for you. And it's not about what you've done wrong. In fact, the enemy is always going to find a way to remind you of what you've done wrong. And when those things happen, just remind him of, of what Jesus has done. Because he changed everything. If you're here today and you get a sense that you've, you've missed the ball, you've, you've, uh, you've not done right, some things right, or some mistakes in your life currently or maybe from last year and you didn't fix them, Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you bought a lie. Maybe you were divided. Maybe you've just been discouraged. But if that's you here today, we want to change that right now. Would you just raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. There's 20, 30 hands up right now. Man. You know what? Would you do me a favor? Would you just stand to your feet right where you're at? You just raised your hand. Don't be, don't, be, don't be shy. Come on. We're all in this together, I think. Here's what I'm going to do. In Jesus' name, him who the sun sets free is free indeed. It's free indeed. It's free indeed. I just take it off you in Jesus' name. That which the enemy tried to put on you, I take it off. And I thank you that you are his son and you are his daughter, that you are his son and you are his daughter, and he is proud of you. How do I know this? Because I'm a father. And I know that every time my son or daughter want to sit on my lap, my heart melts. You standing there right now, I'm telling you, he is in love with you. So Jesus, wash us in your blood. Forgive us of, your, of our sins and make us like you. Like you. Teach us how to surrender. Teach us how to make time for you. Teach us how to change our minds. if you're standing, there's one thing that God's going to ask you to do first. It may be a prayer time. It may be removing somebody out of your life or something out of your life. But you've got to obey him if you want the next step. And he'll lead you. We sang that song earlier about not being in want. The pastures. Man, it's the best place in the world to be with the Lord. Rest in him. I'm just going to stall for two minutes here. Would y'all just join me in prayer for a second? Everyone in this room. All I'm doing right now is 
if we've been distracted, I'm going to tune my eyes to Jesus in heaven and to his throne right now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you give me your spirit? Would you teach me how to love you? Will you teach me how to love you? Would you teach me how to love you? Will you teach me to look to you? Will you teach me to remove the distractions in my life? I want to be greater at loving you. I want to be more righteous. I want to not look the other way. I want to love you. I want to love the things that you love. I want to hate the things you hate. I want to be great for you, Jesus. My creator and my best friend. You're the lover of my soul and I want to love you. I want to enjoy you and I want you to teach me how to enjoy me. I want to believe that you love me. I want to believe that you like me. I want to believe that you're for me and not against me. I want to believe that you'll bless me. Don't be distracted right now. Just one more minute. More of you, Lord. More of your righteousness. More of your goodness. More of your mercy. More of your spirit. More of your spirit. More of your spirit. More of your spirit. More of your spirit, Lord. We just want you. I just thank you that the love of God is in this room right now. The love of God is in this room right now. There's forgiveness. There's a new day. There's no one like you, God. That's worked hard this week. You've been busy. I just want to remind my own heart and their hearts that this is my destiny right here with you right now. It's the only place I want to be. It's in your love. So I just remind you today, I I prophesy if you would. I love you, says the Lord. I love you, says the Lord. I like you, says the Lord. I want to let you know that you can spend time with him and not know what to say. He likes that too. today, I want to just say this. This is one of the things I was seeing this morning. If you have a hobby right now in your life that you are doing a lot and you enjoy a lot, and in some ways you've enjoyed it more than God, I want to remind you that that hobby is not actually bad. Like, you like it, and He likes when you like it, and He's made you good at it. 
You just have to learn how to put him in it and do it with him. All of life is you learning how to do life with God. So learn to, if it's fishing, then learn how, how, what does it look like if if Jesus fishes with me and other people? Or how do you bring other people into that? If it's work and you're good at it, great. What does it look like to work with God? Instead of that thing being a distraction, turn it into an instrument. I love you guys. This Wednesday night, we're going to have Connect Nights. And this Friday night, we're going to have Worship Night at Dirt Prayer. You can check the app for the times. It's going to be powerful. I love you guys. And um, you're awesome. Best place ever. We love you. Blessings. Woo! Peace out.